0: Welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast for two writers and sometimes a very special guest. Have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work or discuss writing related topics. I'm Amy Avery, I write adult fantasy. I also self-publish under the name Avery Ames. Uh, What I'm working on is I just got what is hopefully the final final round of edits from my editor. Fingers crossed, and what I'm reading, I'm about to start a mar- well, actually, I just started, but I'm, like, in the first chapter of A Marvelous Light by Freya Marsk-Marska. I tried to look up how to pronounce it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. (laughs) So, Emily is our special guest co-host today, uh, standing in for DC. Um,
1: So, Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm a writer. Um, I usually write um, adult fantasy and horror, although recently I've also gotten into writing musical theater and opera libretti, which is just like the words basically. And right now I am reading a book on Greek mystery cults because (laughs) that's just who I am. (laughs) But I'm a big fan of ancient Greek mythology and classics in general. Um, And... Today we have, in addition to myself, another fantastic special guest, which is Chelsea Hensley, uh, who is an agent with KT Literary. Chelsea, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit more?
2: Yes, I am Chelsea Hensley. I'm an associate literary agent at KT Literary, representing kidlet and adult fantasy fiction, as well as hopefully after this year, some mysteries and thrillers and maybe the occasional. From Com. So yeah, really excited
1: to be on. Thanks for having me. Very excited to get to talk a bit. Yes. And
0: we usually do a drink for our episodes. Um and we asked Chelsea uh what her favorite drink was, and we were told that Long Islands might be a favorite, um a Long Island iced tea. So I just made one of those, I just called it the literary Long Island, and it's just the normal recipe. I just made it sound cooler. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, other no- otherwise known as the Great Gatsby, right? Yeah. Literary long <laughs> so what are you guys drinking?
2: Water. Water. I'm drinking water. I have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still. Yep. Real
1: good. Being responsible. Yep. A responsible choice, for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking, I'm kind of in the spirit of Ooh. the fancier cocktails. Yeah, I got these from Ikea, these glasses. Oh. Oh, those are those their new ones? No, I, I, they might, I guess I don't know. I got them this summer. We have some new
2: ones that are supposed to be like really cool and like Swedish,
1: of course. Mm. <laughs> but... I again. Uh, but I'm drinking a uh, gin with the rosemary simple syrup and some club soda, That's it's
0: pretty good. That good. Feeling really inspired. Okay, so those are the drinks. Uh, so we're gonna go into the interview, and we're gonna start with a couple of like. Just loosey goosey kind of icebreaker questions. So, no in your bio on the KT Literary website, you do mention tabletop gaming and D and D. What is your mm-hmm. like most fun or silliest D and D experience?
2: So, we were playing once, and my character was this rogue who's really prissy, um, prissy rogue who ends up in this dirt hovel. <laughs> she was the smartest one in our party with an intelligence of like I wanna say seventeen. Those of you don't Mm -hmm. know, twenty is like kind of the max. And everybody else had like an intelligence of (laughs) eleven. She pretended to be somebody earlier and had done that successfully. And then later, 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 her and the rest of the party am I remembering this correctly? Maybe. But anyway Long story short, somebody at my party gave me away because they did. They realized that the person was the same person, but forgot that I had been pretending to be somebody else. And so our our cover was completely screwed. So that's that's D&D. It's a fun game. You all should play. It's fun. If you don't play you should play it. So the
0: second icebreaker, your bio also mentions Golden Girls. So who is your favorite? Dorothy.
1: And why? Dorothy.
2: It's always Dorothy. <laughs> it's Dorothy. I love her. I love her.
1: I, I actually have not seen Golden Girls, so I unfortunately have no idea what that means.
2: <laughs> oh, you to direct by that immediately. I haven't seen Golden Girls. <laughs> no. Golden Girls is hilarious. I can like almost... I can almost tell you the plot of whole episodes Mm. and I can recognize an episode just from like the opening lines. Usually (laughs) I've seen it so many times. I've
0: seen it, but not that many times. (laughs) Excellent.
2: Excellent. Seriously. Do yourself a (laughs) favor.
0: Yes. We're going to make you watch it. I'll make you watch it. It'll be fine. Okay. I'll poke you later. (laughs) Um, So, okay. So we kind of got some icebreakers. we got discussion going and we're going to just like switch gears and dive right into the more serious topic here um before we start getting into like some agenting stuff um i do want to mention that HarperCollins union is still on strike since november um i think today's day 52 yeah that's right
2: 53
0: yeah so you coordinated an open letter from agents to the publisher saying hey we're not going to submit anything to you um while the strike is ongoing. So could you give us kind of a little more information on the strike and why it's important for the publishing industry?
2: Yeah, so strike is super important because publishing is an industry that is extremely stagnant when it comes to wages, opportunities for people who are marginalized. And certainly when it comes to labor, Harper is the only big five with a union. And has been for a long time. I think it's like eighty years or something. Oh, wow. And the strikers, the union, is asking for um, a wage increase. They're asking for greater commitments to diversifying um, the company's workforce, union protections, and we want them to have all of those things.
0: What they're asking for is extremely reasonable. Oh, yeah.
2: Extremely reasonable. Almost, I, I wish they'd asked for more, but I know that they know mm-hmm. that they... If it's this hard to get this, they were going to be astronomical getting anything else. But, yeah, especially when it comes to, like, the wages that they're asking for. They're asking for a very small, Mm -hmm. very small amount, especially for where they're living in New York. So um, I am hopeful that we are on the back end. But time will tell. So it's a sticky situation. (laughs) It is. And it's just bad vibes. Yeah, all around the longer it goes on the more the less you want to you certainly don't want to do anything right now with that so Mm -hmm. as long as it continues that feeling's not going to really go away Mm
0: -hmm.
2: so we'll see we'll see it's it is they've been on strike for a long time but Mm -hmm. they've only been in january and publishing has been reopened for a few weeks now and yeah Um, I think now is probably when they're starting to see a lot of the effects Mm -hmm. of all of it, including agents withholding submissions. So we'll see how long we would like to continue seeing those effects. Hopefully not much longer. Yeah. So everybody can go back to doing what they Mm -hmm. like to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's fun. Yay. Publishing. (laughs) It is a great
2: industry. Great (laughs) industry. We chose great, 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 great. (laughs)
0: We all love being here. It's great. It's awesome. <laughs> so so okay. So we got like the we got the mo- most depressing part out of the way. <laughs> so we'll kind of go into just a little more background on you. So how long have you been at KT Literary and what do you like about working there?
2: Um, I've been in KT Literary since twenty twenty, summer of twenty twenty. I don't know how many how much what is that in time? I don't know what time it is. Two years is no, that two years? Yeah, it's great. I love part of what I really like about being a KT is that it allows me to agent in a way that I like. There's no one right way to be an agent. There are several um, incorrect ways, but um, (laughs) if you ask any agent how they do their work, it's going to be different. It's going to be a different answer, most likely. But KT let me come on and start um, looking for my own clients like right off the bat. Even as they are mentoring me, I still get to further my own career while I'm doing that, and I get to really build my own kind of list. I don't have to ask anybody for approval about like what about this client, what about this project? I don't have to do any of that, um, and I get to have a lot of leeway in terms of how I want this career to work for me. And I have a lot of support from um, everybody else in the agency, who all also signed that letter and were very gung-ho when I brought it up. So, yay. Mm-hmm. So, KT Literary
0: is not based in New York. What is it like being an agent that doesn't work in New
2: York? It's great because I'm not paying any of those prices and I don't have any <laughs> of <chase>. It's wonderful.
0: <laughs> Emily's giving nervous <laughs> laughter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: for my uh well not technically new york apartment from my brooklyn apartment because i can't afford to live in that
0: (laughs) um so what part of agenting surprised you the most after you got started with it
1: Hmm.
2: i would say okay it's gonna be a sad answer How mean people are to you people can be really mean yours that surprised me that did surprise me yeah people can be especially when you're new People are just, just a little bit meaner to you than you would expect. I, I have seen
0: there's there's one particular troll on Twitter who shows up a lot, and he likes to just go for agents. And I'm just like, dude, chill. I think I know who you're
2: talking about. He's very committed. Yes.
0: Uh huh. He yes. keeps coming
2: back. He's he's yeah. giving it
0: all to the bit. I don't think he likes
2: anybody in publishing. I don't think I don't think it's specific to agents. I mean, not necessarily, but. He doesn't like anybody and publishers. No. Okay,
0: but I mean <laughs> you could just not it's talk like, to us at all. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can go do your own thing.
2: But yeah, that's probably the thing that surprised me the most. But that's a very small it's a very small subsection. Um in general I've been I think I think sometimes I'm really surprised also by just how much I like it. Because originally I was trying to get into editorial. And that was where my whole thing was for a really long time. I, like, I want to be an editor. I want to be an editor. I want to be an editor. And then I was like, okay, I don't want to live in New York. I definitely don't want to live in New York with roommates. I don't want to, I don't even want to deal. I hate moving. <laughs> long, like, no. I was like, everything was just like, maybe not. And so then, editing <laughs> ended up happening. I was kind of nervous about jumping in because I was like, oh I've been in editorial for so long. This is an entirely different thing. But not an entirely different thing, but it's a different thing. Working a different set of skills, all that stuff. But I really like it. It's it's a lot more it's a lot more than editorial is. And I found that I really, really like that. I like that not every day is totally the same. I like that I get to do editorial stuff, admin stuff, client management stuff, contract stuff. I like all the I like being able to jump around and um, that's been really, it's been really fun. It's interesting to hear somebody say that they like doing the contract stuff because that part would scare me. <laughs> I like that. I don't, I, I think they're fun. I think they are. I think they're fun. And sometimes you get to like circle something <laughs> or cross something in and you say no. <laughs> and then you know that's also fun too.
1: I feel like you never get to hear uh, agents talk more about like the negotiation and contract side of things. So it is something that's always um interested me a lot about like, you know, what goes into that and um you know how you kind of approach it.
2: It's hardly ever as like dramatic as
1: it out. I mean, it certainly
2: can be, but sometimes if you're with an agency that has a previous relationship with a publisher, there's probably some sort of boilerplate. And generally they know what you're going to ask for and you know what they're asking for. (laughs) So you're both just kind of doing this thing where you're like, okay, I'm going to ask for this, but I know you're not going to give me this. (laughs) So you're going to give me something else instead. And they're going to ask for this one and I'm not going to give them this. So they're going to ask for something else, but it hardly ever is as, Wild (laughs) as I think you can think it could get. Most of the ones I've been part of have been pretty low key. Occasionally, there's like a thing where you're just like stuck on it, but usually (laughs) it works out okay. It works out fine. And KT has a manager too, who um, Kelly Manzana is our contract manager. So she comes in and in general has like this contracts, Rolodex her brain that like knows everything about every contract ever so
0: i will say when i saw my contract i could tell what my agent had negotiated for because those were the terms that were in a different font yeah (laughs) i could be like oh this is where they (laughs) where she made them change something (laughs) (laughs) so that was kind of fun to go through and be like ah Mm.
2: (laughs) those are fun i like seeing how the contracts change i like seeing what what happens where and what they and what they said no i'm not changing this on okay you know like i think it's fun so
0: are there any other aspects of agenting maybe even on like because we kind of talked about the contract and the business side but maybe on the more like emotional side that are kind of overlooked during the agent interviews because people are usually so excited to try to ask like what your manuscript wish list is that we don't really sometimes people forget that there's a person there. So is there anything that you would like to kind of, that you would like to people to, would you like for people to have asked you, wow, this drink is strong.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think every agent would say something different, but what has really been part of, um, as I've been, the longer I've been agenting and the more time I spend talking with my clients, the more I really, I really, really want my clients to, to succeed and every agent does on some level, but like on a purely emotional level, it's weird because you feel cause it's a business relationship, but you also feel like sort of, a, you do, you can't escape that like emotional connection where you're like, oh my God, I love this client. Great. Look how great they are. Oh my God. Somebody give them something. Like you're like, oh my God, isn't this is wonderful. I just love this book. And sometimes you feel like you're like, you're just on the street corner, like holding on a book, like. <laughs> and it's so hard when it doesn't doesn't pan out for whatever reason that part really sucks I also and sometimes I get to go to like my query inbox which is a different place feels like sometimes Um, (laughs) I also I get like really sometimes I feel really relieved when I see something in my inbox that for me that I don't want but I feel back i don't want it because i'm like this is good i just don't want this though but it's good and i and I feel bad because i'm like no, no 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 i want somebody to want this i want somebody to take this and like five minutes later you get like an offer and you're like oh. <laughs> great hey i'm so sorry this is not for me but i love this for you and you know i've had a lot of that happening especially in the last especially like in the last Few months that's okay. happened to me a lot. A lot I've seen things. Where I'm just like I don't want this for myself, but I want somebody to want it, and then somebody does. And it's such a nice feeling to know that you're not sending somebody off to continue looking. They,
0: might have found they found it. a home. <laughs> they found so it's so nice. So yeah, one of the things that's kind of going on in all of publishing right now is that Twitter is a thing now that's going yeah, it's it's <laughs> gone haywire. So how do you feel about using social media for networking, for the industry? Um, what do you feel about like your presence there? Is there ever are you ever nervous to post? No.
2: I okay I'm one of the rare few who really loves Twitter. I know it's chaotic over there, but I have, I don't know. I don't know what, how it happened, but I seem to have curated my feed in such a way that I don't see any of the mess Mm. unless I go look for it. Like I'll hear, I'll see people like vaguely Mm -hmm. discussing mess. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I have to like go and look, (laughs) I have to go and look, I have to look in their likes and see what they like. And I have to go to whoever person I was and see what they liked. And then eventually I find my way to like the start of something. You have to do the Twitter detective. And I'm like, Oh, this is a mess. I'm (laughs) glad I didn't see this. But I have to do all the detective work before I find it. So my Twitter feed is great. I love it. I have fun on Twitter. Um, and I'm never, I'm not too worried about what I post because I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, I hate her. She sucks on Twitter. And I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> um, but I'm the same way on Twitter as I am in real life. <laughs> the same way I am with my clients, with my colleagues. So in the same way, the only person who probably does not see my Twitter personality is my mother. And that's... <laughs> fine um that's valid (laughs) yeah so yeah i don't feel too weird about it i will i i'm sad at the prospect of um that man ruining it because that is where that is where so much of publishing's network sort of congregated and ended up and i don't know what'll happen all the pitch contests i don't know and i really don't want to go to instagram i I can I only
1: imagine Instagram pitch contests.
2: Ugh. I don't
1: even know what that would be. I don't, know, I don't
2: know how you would find anything. The algorithm is all mm-hmm. screwy, and I just don't. I don't want to figure it out. I don't want to figure anything new out. <laughs> I already know how to work Twitter, and I don't want to. I don't want anything new. I'm fine with Twitter.
0: Like I know. I know it here.
2: Yeah, I don't want to have to go and find everybody else again. It's just. It's not. I tried to go back to my Tumblr, and I was like, "This was a bad era. I can't. <laughs> I can't return." that so I don't know I don't know I just hope it doesn't go anywhere yeah <laughs> I hope it's fine I hope it's fine
0: I I have been poking back at my Tumblr but my Tumblr is like entirely just fandom gremlin mode incognito like I'm just gonna like and repost fan art
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's what mine is, yeah. mine is from the, the period where I was in like most of it I feel like was just me complaining about the vampire Diaries. <laughs> So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I have to start over from scratch. like so, And I don't really want to do that either. So
1: you need something new to complain about. I think
2: about.
1: I'm just going to
2: leave it.
1: Yeah, i was going to leave it. I'm just going to, no, no. Yep. No, my, uh, my Tumblr is in the exact same boat, except I was one of those people that was hating on the Game of Thrones television series in season five, because that's when <laughs> I thought it went downhill. <laughs> you were, You were there before everybody else was.
2: I stopped after two. It was, it was a battle. I don't. Know, Tyrion was doing no, no, no. stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we. I think you're thinking of season two. That's the season two. The one. Well, insert Game of Thrones spoilers for season two if you it's, haven't seen it yet.
0: It's, <laughs> it's been long enough. I think the statute of
2: limitations.
1: <laughs> like the chip blows up with the green fire and stuff. That battle.
2: Maybe that sounds that's right. Two. That's two. I thought like that's the last one I remember watching, but I do remember being. Unre- not even unreasonably, but I remember being very annoyed when I knew they were introducing the Martells and my yep. favorite character wasn't gonna be there. Yep. Because yep. I was like, then what's the point? Yep. So I didn't even I didn't I didn't watch that either.
1: Those <laughs> were my thoughts when I saw the casting and then I saw that and the writing had also just gone noticeably downhill and I was like mm-mm I did
2: watch the last season though because I felt like I wanted closure because mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think those books were gonna get finished. I'm sorry to say. I, uh,
1: I, I mm-hmm.
2: So I wanted to know what was gonna happen. So I was there with everybody else trying to watch the TV. It was super dark. So I didn't see like <laughs> half of it. So, but I did see the ending and I, like everyone else, just like, <laughs> did not feels emotional. I didn't feel as emotionally tied by that point. Cause I hadn't read the books. I'm like, when did the other one come out? I don't know forever. So I, so I didn't care as much, but it wasn't great.
1: Anyway, this has been a long Game of Thrones tangent. <laughs> oh, we're keeping in the,
0: the Game of Thrones. right? I never actually watched the show. Don't bother you. Um, because at the time, I did not have HBO. And by the time I did, everybody's just like, no. Nah. So I was like, okay. I read the books, most of them. At the time
1: the show came out, like, I'm a huge fantasy fan. And I came downstairs and my dad was watching it, like, when season one was first coming out. And I was just, it was the scene, one of the scenes with Khal Drogo, where he's just speaking Dothraki with Daenerys. And I was like, what? is this because i was so excited that there was like a high quality fantasy thing being made that like wasn't lord of the rings and that kind of uh started a bit of an obsession um although
2: uh, had to
1: had to kind of let it go (laughs)
2: yeah that's the thing that sucks about it because it really was like you cannot talk about fantasy on tv anymore without talking about game of thrones After, and so for to end that like, it was just so insulting I mean, like yeah. it was I remember ending, and I was just like they really treated people this way <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't care but, like, but I was thinking like one of my co-workers at the time loved Game of Thrones and was telling me all her theories about how it was going to end and she was like, I'm just going to do this this is going to happen and I was like I don't know, I'm not getting those vibes like <laughs> I wasn't I'm not seeing that for her. I think, I think, I don't know. Because I was, I don't think it'll go that way just because I think the show did a different thing with her than the books did. Or at least until the thing. Um, but, but I don't know. Is that a spoiler now that they did, you know, I'm not going to mention that. I don't want to ruin it for <laughs> anybody. But. Um,
1: Would it ruin it? Can it be ruined? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't
2: know. Can it can what is ruined be ruined? Yeah, <laughs> be ruined more.
1: <laughs> but,
0: We're getting real philosophical here.
2: But yeah, so I don't know. I feel bad for everybody who was who was really excited and really hopeful and thought that those men knew how to write
1: something. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna like <laughs> zoom us back into the topic, because uh, we've got about half an hour left. Um so Back to publishing after the sad, depressing mm-hmm. Game of Thrones ran. What what trend are you most excited about in publishing in books, and how has it changed as you've exp- in your career as an agent?
2: Hmm. I don't know. I've I'm really excited by like the moment that like horror seems to be ha- having. I I'm a big baby, but I do love horror. <laughs> I have the same problem. And same. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's not i don't know it's not sometimes i'm like the world isn't made for me <laughs> um, i do love horror books um i do struggle with saying horror on screen because i have to like watch it with through like my eyes like, like oh my god oh is that okay no i have to do all that and i looked and I, I did that when i was watching the last of us the other day that was that was a journey mm. um <laughs> so i am really excited to see what kind of horror is happening and i like that kind of there's sort of been a, a little bit of a rise in my weird stuff or just things like happening in a weird way in fiction, and I and I always I like weird stuff. The weirder, the better. I think it's I think it's more fun, and I think it actually sells better when it's a little weird. Um, I saw a
0: post on I think it was on Twitter where somebody had taken a picture of a display at a bookstore There was an entire display of sporer, which is like fungi horror. And I'm like, the fact that there can be a whole display of like mushrooms are scary is kind of yeah. cool. <laughs>
2: I, I do think mushrooms are scary. I realize I have a mushroom phobia. Oh wow. Last year I realized I had mushroom phobia. Wow. Didn't know that. <laughs> I thought everybody was scared of mushrooms, but no. <laughs> it's just me. It's just I, me. I,
1: I don't think I have a phobia of it, but I definitely get yeah. it though. They're they're weird little guys. They're they're, they're weird. weird. You look away,
2: <laughs> they're not there, and then you turn back and there they are. Like <laughs> there's a mushroom and they're layered and it's, I had to have my mom come kind of take one out.
1: I don't know. I, was gonna, I wanted to ask um, <laughs> um, I want to ask if there are any books uh, recently that come to mind that like have excited you um, kind of in those lines
2: the one I always think about is this isn't a recent book it's been out for a few years but the one I always think about first is What Big Teeth by Rosado yeah. it's so good and has a am going to show you the cover if I can find it <laughs> oh it's right here because I, I was talking about it today earlier <laughs> the
0: cover it, is by um, Corey Brickley <laughs>
2: yeah it's teeth it's great it's such a great great book and it's such a weird book and i i remember i picked it up because of the cover it's like werewolves and i was like okay cool (laughs) and there's werewolves in it and there's some other stuff and there's grandmothers who are creepy and it's fantastic and it's so odd it's such an odd little book i think about weird stuff i always go that direction i want it to be like i want somebody like, oh that's, that's odd or I want I like books where you're describing them, and you're like, "What are you talking about?" And <laughs> I'm like, isn't that great though? I love that. Um, yeah,
0: that's
2: but I will tell you one of my favorites. I read Overbreak. I reread Overbreak rather, and this is not horror at all. Well, this is some yeah, no, but it is. I don't know if you all ever read the Lady Sherlock series. So good.
1: Oh, I don't think so
2: I so good sherry Tom- sherry thomas i think um uh, has mostly written romance
1: i was gonna say i think i've read some of her romance novels yeah she's mainly written
2: romance and this is a gender-bent sherlock holmes retelling where sherlock is just the alias of charlotte holmes who you know sherlock because she's a woman and a Victorian, age when they can't do anything um <laughs> And it's so good. It's just one of my absolute favorites. I reread the whole thing over Christmas break because I was just, I was having so much fun. And if you do like romance though, there is quite a romance in those books that you would not expect (laughs) to be as sweeping as it is, but it is indeed a highly sweeping romance. And that's one of my like secret. I would love to have a book series like this. And my roster somewhere because I just I just lo- I just love it. They're so
0: good. They're so good. One up.
1: It sounds really interesting. Just going off the romances, she's so good. Like the her romances are so good.
2: <laughs> like seriously, if you do like her romance, you will like. Like it is very much a mystery. Like the but the romance angle is definitely there, and it's very slow mm. burn though. Very mm. slow burn. So. You know you're going to have to wait a minute, but
0: <laughs> me and Emily are both like, yeah,
2: yeah. But it reaches, it comes to like it's it comes together in a really intriguing way, a very Sherlock Holmes kind of way. So you should read it. You should totally read it.
0: Okay, so going to do a little bit about querying. What is the most common turn off you see in queries, and do you have any advice for how to avoid it?
2: Um, the one I see most often is people who don't write a query, and that drives me absolutely. I don't even know. What do they do? They just say, here's a book. And this is what says here. I don't like you get that. I get that way more than I feel like I should. But I recommend writing a query for sure. <laughs> Honestly, it does not have to be the most perfect query ever written. But if you tell me what your book is about, like the plot, not the themes. Because <laughs> a lot of people also tell you the themes for a long time. And I'm like, that's great. But I really just need to know what the plot is. You can throw in a theme at the end. Just throw it in. And then just take your hand out. Um,
0: Sprinkle like one. Yeah, just
2: mention it and then just get out of there. Um, (laughs) But the way to avoid that is to just think about the plotty stuff. Don't tell me why you wrote the book. I mean, that's nice to know. You can throw it in there for sure. But don't make that your whole query. Most of your query should be what is happening in the book. And try to make it sound like you know, kind of cool like look at the back of your books and try to make it sound like that. Like kind of punchy and like intriguing. And that will also help because if you have plot issues, you'll figure them out as you're writing the query. Because if you have a book where nothing happens, you're gonna be like, oh nothing's happening. In this book gotta go fix that. <laughs> or you're gonna realize that maybe you have too much happening in your book and you're like, oh gotta go fix that. And it works. I'm
0: just still sitting here like aghast that people tried querying without a query. I'm like
2: I see that all the time I just can't I can't I can't I can't I can't work with this I don't know what this is
0: I can't work with this so yeah so in a similar vein are there any other tips or tricks or maybe pet peeves you can share about first pages
2: hmm for first pages I would say make sure you're jumping into the story don't I would say in those first pages especially like the sample ones that you are sending like for the first time that aren't like after somebody's request is a partial or a full. Don't jump in to like a lot of quotes. I see lots of people like stacking their pages with like epigraphs and things like, you don't need that. That's okay. You're taking up your space. You're taking up your space. Or the reason people say don't do like, you know, prologues or like extended flashbacks and things is because you're not right in the center of the story. If you do have a prologue, you can short, you can just skip it. You don't have to take it out of the book. But you could just jump to your first pages, like your first actual pages, like chapter one, and then just put the prologue in, in press partial or full or something. Then that kind of hop, skips, jumps over that, and you still get to keep your prologue. But maybe you don't need it. Mm-hmm. But I like a prologue, me personally. If it's if it's good, I I I am prologue. We
0: we have an episode on prologues.
1: <laughs> you are prologue. Yeah. <laughs> oh Emily <laughs> I love a good prologue too also. I do I, as a shameless high fantasy reader I, I there's nothing I love more they're
2: great like I do love I do really enjoy a <laughs> prologue. I also really like things that I like that like the serious thing in the beginning where it's like something happened and you don't know what it yeah. was but something and it's like sort of that immediate ray but not quite and it's like I love that I think that's amazing one of my mm-hmm. clients did that and I was obsessed I was obsessed I read the book like immediately it was amazing <laughs>
0: Okay, so still on querying and stuff. Um, Any words of wisdom or hope for the writers out there who are getting rejections?
2: This is going to sound really cynical, but it works. So if you think about the book that you're like, this is the book that I wish that I had written. I wouldn't change anything about it. It's amazing. I love it. I fall asleep with it in my arms. (laughs) Think about that book. And then think about the very worst book you've ever read, the book that you're like, I can't stand this book. Why did anybody write this book? I would throw this book like... Into a pit if I could do it. And both of those books got published. So you're fine.
0: <laughs> I, I have joked about writing the spite book sometimes that if you got published, I can do this.
2: <laughs> do it. Like, really, like it's so subjective. It's such a subjective industry. It's very subjective. There's no reason that you can't. Like, if you're working at getting better, and you're doing all the things like you're reading, you're practicing, you're sharing your work. Sometimes it really just is confluence of, of events and it sucks having to like navigate that. But I think sometimes it helps when you can step back a little bit and think about it in a sort of an objective way that I'm doing X, Y, Z. And that's all that I can do. And the rest is going to be not up to me. It might help take the sting out of it. Sometimes, what also helps is, well, this helps some people, not everybody, (laughs) is learning as much about publishing as you can. This could have the opposite effect. (laughs) So take this. But I found that if you know how publishing works, you sometimes feel, you take it a little less personally because you can start to realize that this literally has nothing to do with me whatsoever because a lot of the time it doesn't. It has nothing to do with you. It's just random other stuff. That happened or is happening and if it had nothing to do with you then there's no reason that you were not the reason you got rejected which means that you could get offered on at any time so sometimes that doesn't help though because that also means that there's not a lot that goes into there's not as much skill or intention that goes into getting quote unquote chosen either sometimes it is just luck plays a huge part luck and timing and so I think if you can internalize that more, sometimes it sometimes it helps, um, just to help you not feel as bad. It's gonna it's gonna feel bad either way, but if you can just make it dial it down a little bit, sometimes that helps.
1: Yeah, Emily, do you have any questions you wanted to ask? Any burning questions that we did not address? Um, I did have one kind of coming off of what you were just talking about um, a little bit, because so I'm curious from an agenting perspective, because obviously books that are published you know have been in the pipeline for like around like two years usually by the time they actually come out so I was curious how much like general trends or things like you know editors might be looking for etc like kind of play into how you look at both submitting to editors as well as um queries and submissions to you
2: yeah so that is something that agents are always looking at because you know you know when things are going to be a harder sell I know I know myself that some things that are hard to sell are still things that I really, really like. And so sometimes I'm still willing to take that risk. I also am just in a position career-wise, monetarily, financially, where I can do that. Like I'm okay taking on something that may not sell or may not sell for a lot because I have a bit of a cushion that I can rely on. That's not the case for every agent. So... Everybody can't do that. So sometimes if you get something in your inbox and you're like, this is great, but I'm not going to be able to move this and they pass. It is always something you think about because yes, those books that are coming out currently were sold way whenever. And it can be harder to, it can be harder for writers to know what's, what's doing really great and what's not. So I feel like there's a lot of guesswork. But I will say, if you know that there's a product that you're really passionate about, feel good about, put it out there anyway, see what happens. There are agents who want to take risks all the time. And sometimes there's an agent who's like, I know exactly who to send this to. I know exactly what they want. I know they want it right now. And it moves. But it is something that we're always having to think about. Because ideally, you have minimal things not selling so you're trying to keep that that number small but yeah it's that's fun and the market can always change too if something shockingly starts to pop off in a really unexpected way suddenly the market wants more of those things Mm -hmm. so it can always well minute you're like it's out it's out it's out and then it's (laughs) right back in so
0: now we're back into vampires again i promise
2: Oh yeah, we're the vampires are coming mm-hmm. back. I don't think they're ever gonna be as big as they were in that era. <laughs> yeah, but they're coming back. I think we might just have like a normal amount of <laughs> vampires and worlds and things. Instead of going from having them everywhere to having them nowhere, we might just have like a steady corner of <laughs> vampires and worlds. We'll and hit
0: things. paranormal equilibrium.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ideally, yes. <laughs>
1: Oh, I feel like there's a joke in there somewhere. I'm trying to find it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hit a paranormal. Oh
0: <laughs> Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> we're going to start wrapping things up. So we're going to do the the traditional housekeeping of let us know what you're looking for in your inbox right now and where people can find you to submit.
2: Yes. So we at KT Literary are using query manager but if for any reason Query Manager is no good for you, you can hit us up in our generic query mailbox, which is queries at ktliterary.com. Um, I am looking for MG and YA across all genres, but with adults, I am particularly looking for fantasy, mysteries, thrillers, horror, and right now the rare rom-com. I especially would love to find some adult mysteries and thrillers this year, um, but please do not send me ones that are like retired marine fighting terrorists in Las Vegas. I do not want to read that. I'm sorry. But anything like Lucy Foley-ish, Knives Out-ish, Tana French-ish, I love that. But um, the other peeps are not for me. But yeah, I am, I am very eager to build my list. So I am reading. I am offering. I am happy to see everybody
0: just actually write a query letter
2: that would be ideal because it is an automatic note for me if there's no query it is an
1: automatic but what if the query letter is just something along the lines of the mystery is what this book is about what i'm just kidding
2: you can try it you can try it try try it and find out
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay. We're going to kind of just do our finale here. Thank you so, so much for joining us and for humoring us with all of our questions. We really appreciate it. And I had a great time. Um, And thank you, Emily, for standing in for DC. Um, I do also <laughs> want to mention that Emily has a podcast as well. Can you tell us just a little bit about that real quick?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So it's a Percy Jackson read-along analysis podcast that I run with um, one of my great friends who's a extremely talented dramaturg and writer named Phoebe Cordy. Um, she's also a very talented artist and we basically break down every Percy Jackson book and analyze it both from a historical and literary perspective because I have a background in classics and like Greek and Latin. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's called Monster Donut and you can find us also <laughs> at PGOpod um, on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And I will put all that in the show notes as well.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I think that's everything. The next live stream is going to be on February 3rd. Um, DC will be back for that one. Uh, We've got another interview lined up with author Bindi Barrett. We're going to discuss pen names and using multiple pseudonyms. And you can find anything else about the podcast at anditswriting.com or look us up anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at anditswriting. And if you like what you're hearing, join our Discord and check out the website for that link to the Discord. And thank you so much. And we will see you again soon.
2: Bye. Yeah, thanks so much. (laughs)